Hello and welcome to Two Peds in a Pod, the medical education podcast from the Children's Emergency Department in Derby. My name's Ian Lowens, one of the consultants in CED, and I'm very pleased to be joined this afternoon by one of my colleagues, Dr Gitika Joshi. Good afternoon, Gitika. Good afternoon. And you're a neonatologist with an interest in cardiology. cardiology. Excellent. And so we're going to talk about cardiology this afternoon, and particularly those babies that that come to us in ED. Um, And I guess one of the worries for a lot of people when they see the undifferentiated unwell baby is what on earth's going on and of course one of those things that we have to remember is could this be cardiac yeah. um so having that in the back of our minds to start with is important isn't it yes it's, it is it is extremely important to, to recognize that congenital heart can also present with acute collapse or a very unwell child um, so it is one of the differential diagnoses of a sick child or a sick neonate. um but of course some, some people might say well hang on how about antenatal screening can't we pick up all congenital cardiac defects on antenatal screening so antenatal screening has improved over time and with the new fast guideline which is uh, uh, which is what most of the units uh, fetal medicine units use uh, we are picking up more and more congenital heart disease but there are uh, there's a wide variation from center to center mm. as to what is an expected amount, uh, expected uh, percentage of pickup of congenital heart diseases so it ranges anywhere from 40% to 70% right plus what we need to be uh, to remember this we are looking through a mother into a baby's heart. Mm-hmm. So we want the baby to be aligned completely, uh, quite well, uh, to be able to see everything. Mm-hmm. Plus it's, uh, so when we do the fetal scans, it's done at tw- 20 weeks of gestation. Uh, the heart is really little at that stage, size of a pea. Um, it cannot pick up things like coarctation. Okay. Because the, coarct- so, so, because so. the duct is open and yeah. uh, the arch may look open and they cannot really see the full arch. What it can pick up is a difference in the chamber sizes. So it can get quite tricky to just rely on antenatal scan to pick up. And that's why we have antenatal scans uh, as one screening method. The other screening method is an IP, neonatal uh, examination, uh, a physical examination. Uh, We then have an eight-week check. So these are all uh, different um, checks that have been put in place or uh, screening methods that have been put in place for neonates. And I think that's really important, isn't it? That they are screening. screening. They are not a, you know, so having, I had normal antenatal scans in itself does, does not, not rule out. congenital heart disease. Okay. So when I'm seeing this baby that's, I don't know, a few days old, that's looking mm-hmm. unwell to me, in my mm-hmm. mind, I've, I've got sort of things like, okay, is this infection? Is this cardiac? Is this metabolic? Is this surgical? It, could this be an injury? So that, that's sort of our screen. What are the things that, in the history that might point you towards, hmm, maybe this is a cardiac, cardiac baby? So uh, so the first thing what I would say is uh, history-taking is really very important. Um, it's very important to know, you know, is there a prolonged rupture of membrane? What did the antenatal scans show and did it pick up anything? Uh, if a child's been diagnosed to have one kind of uh, abnormality or um, a syndrome, mm. the chances of that child having being unwell with congenital heart is very high. Uh, so, so what we are looking for is co uh, uh, coexisting other conditions. So, another so if the child is just recovered from tracheoesophageal uh, 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 fistula, if yep. he's had surgery for that, and although they may have had scan, but they can have other congenital abnormalities which we have picked up later okay. that they have got a congenital heart at a later stage. We've 
diagnose them to have total anomalous venous connections, you know, after that. Or if you've seen a child whom you think this child looks to have a chromosomal, uh, look, it does have features of chromosomal abnormality, they could have uh, congenital heart. So that's one thing I would say. The other thing is uh, looking for examination of the child that becomes really important. If you can hear a murmur, the chances mm. are that, that he may be unwell because of that. The other things we usually talk about are saturation monitoring. Yeah. Um, um, and yes, sinosis is seen in both con lung and congenital heart. Um, there are other ways that we can differentiate. Is this congenital heart disease or is this... Um, uh, 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 lung pathology, yep. uh, things like uh, you know pre and post ductal saturations, they are very important. Uh, we do hyperoxia does have a place in hyperoxia test does yep. have a place in in identifying or in differentiating pulmonary cause from cardiac cause, uh, but it has to be used with care uh, because uh, there are. Uh, I, I'll come down. I'll sure. come to that at a later date. Uh, just going back to that sort of pre and post-ductal saturations. Mm. For, the, for those not familiar, what, what do you mean by that? So the pre- and post-ductal saturations are where you check the saturations in the right arm yep. and compare it with the saturation in the feet. Yep. Uh, now, the difference in the saturation should be about 10 or 15%. Okay. So what I'm saying is the right arm should be 10 or 15% higher yeah. than, the, than in the feet or vice versa, because okay. in, in some of the cardiac conditions, you may actually have a reversal of this. Um, uh, uh, and that, that should raise a, a suspicion, a high suspicion of this being a congenital um, heart. Okay, so they should be pretty much the same. If there's a big difference, yeah. that triggers alarm that bells. That triggers alarm bells. And then thinking about cyanosis, mm -hmm. um, lots of parents come to us and say, oh, he goes blue. Yes. Or, with his wind, oh, he goes, goes blue. blue, and it's blue round the lips. Now. That's not, not cyanosis, no, so that's, is it? Yeah, no, that's not cyanosis. And what I would usually do is, this is what, we get lots of patients in clinics saying the same thing, that yeah, the child gets perioral cyanosis or acrocyanosis when that's the fingertips look blue. Yeah. Uh, what I usually tend to do is do a saturation there and okay. show it to parents. If the saturation is above 94%, this is not a congenital heart disease. Um, I also tell parents to look at the tongue, but it's very difficult. Mm. It's not all the time. It's possible. And parents, you know, you, they will go away quite anxious, still thinking that, okay, I'm, I am supposed to diagnose cyanosis for the baby. So the best way is to do a saturation while they are in your uh, under your care. Show them that the saturation is above 94. And if the saturation is above 94, he doesn't have a cyanotic heart disease, so he cannot have cyanotic spells. Okay. Because a lot of time we get referrals saying that uh, yeah. these are cyanotic spells. Um, so and it's not. So it's that, not. that blue around the mouth, the blue of the hands and feet, it's generally... It's not pretty, pretty normal, normal, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it's one of those things that, for, for people unfamiliar with it, when you see proper cyanosis, yes, yes. you go, ah, oh, that's, that's what you mean, <laughs> isn't yes. it? Yes, yeah. Okay, so... Well, and should I say a little bit about the cyanosis? Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, so cyanosis is basically uh, the percentage of deoxyhemoglobin that is uh, present in our body. So if you remember, if you, if you look at the percentage of deoxyhemoglobin, it's actually the ratio between oxy and deoxyhemoglobin. Uh, so it's not, uh, so if you have a very anemic patient, you yep. may not see cyanosis at all, even though they are. And at the same time, if you have a polycythemic patient, you may see cyanosis even at a, uh, at a, at a fairly high saturations. Mm. So, uh, so because it's a percentage. Uh, what we need to remember is that in neonates, because they have hemoglobin, fe the fetal hemoglobin, yep. 
fetal hemoglobin has less affinity to oxygen. So it gives out a lot of oxygen at the, at the tissue level. So very often their actual oxygen, the partial pressure of oxygen in their blood is much lower than an adult hemoglobin. So when you do a gas on them, you will find a partial pressure of 40 millimeters of mercury, mm. which equates to something like uh, 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 5 or 5.6 kilopascals, according to our blood gas. Uh, same thing uh, in a baby who has a higher amount of adult hemoglobin, you will see that the PaO2 is is much higher. You may have it at 50 or 60 uh, millimeters of mercury. Yep. The pressure pressure may be 50, 60 millimeters of mercury. So it's a much, uh, it's a very low uh, amount of oxygen uh, that will that will actually show up as clinical cyanosis. Mm. This generally equates to a saturation of 75 to 85 percent. Okay. So if your partial okay. pressure of, in your, of oxygen in your blood is about 50 millimeters of mercury, you, your saturation will read as 75 to 85%. So it's a very obvious cyanosis. Mm. Yeah. And that's that. what is reassuring to parents when you show them a saturation of 94% saying that the baby is not cyanosed. Okay. So we're thinking about sort of a, maybe a, a flow diagram in my mind of approach mm. to maybe the cardiac baby. Yeah. Do you split them into pink and blue to start with or murmur and no murmur to start with yeah. what's your approach so my, my usual approach is how the baby has presented okay so a cardiac baby uh, a, a baby with a cardiac baby in, in your in in um, A&E can present in two or three different uh, two ways so either it's a rhythm disorder or a structural heart disease so we leave the rhythm disorder for now yeah. we'll just go by the structural heart disease structural heart disease can present in three ways so you can have an acute collapse yeah or you could have a symptomatic ill child, or you have seen a baby for something else and you've heard a murmur, yeah. but the baby's completely asymptomatic. Let's start with the best one first. You've seen a baby for constipation or feeding difficulty and you actually, uh, or, or reflux, mm. uh, uh, and you actually find a murmur, uh, and the baby has no other signs of cardiac pathology. It could be an f- innocent murmur, it could be a small, PFO yeah. or uh, sorry, small AS, uh, VSD, or it could be a small, mildly uh, stenotic pulmonary valve or an aortic valve, which can be seen in outpatients. Um, and what you generally tell uh, uh, GPs or, uh, or or other colleagues is have a listen to them again yeah. in uh, in a in couple of weeks time. If the mama is still present, do refer for our, uh, to our pediatric cardiology clinic. We will do an echocardiogram and find most of these defects will make close by themselves. Occasionally, a sticky valve may get stickier over time and okay. may get they may, it may make them unwell. But obviously, if you're seeing a three-year-old and you suddenly hear a, a murmur, you kind of think, okay, he's had it for three years, mm. he's asymptomatic, it's unlikely that it's going to become sticky quite quickly. Mm. But if you see a baby who's a week old and you hear a murmur in the right upper sternal edge and you kind of think, okay, I think this is an aortic area, mm. I, maybe aortic stenosis, I would say in that case, uh, you know, discuss with your cardiology colleague because that can get sticky quicker. Okay. So the stenosis can gradually get worse. Okay. Um, but they're generally asymptomatic. Um, you can get another sign. Now let's go to the acute collapse. Yeah. Now acute collapse, these babies generally present uh, uh, with <clears throat> decreased cardiac output or severe cyanosis. Yeah. Um, and they are usually duct-dependent lesions. 
So when we talk about duct-dependent lesions, there are three types of duct-dependent lesions. So duct is very important in our fetal circulation. Um, It carries 60% of our uh, combined venous blood in the fetal life. It closes anatomically approximately 15 hours of age. But the, uh, sorry, that's a functional closure. Functional closure happens at 15 hours. The anatomical closure can take up to three months. When I say anatomical closure, it's when the muscle layer of the PDA gets converted to fibrous tissue and it becomes a ligament yeah. uh, uh, arteriosis. That's the fibr- uh, anatomical closure that we can't do anything about it. The duct-dependent lesion, how I tend to divide it is, what, where is the pathology? Is the pathology on the systemic side yeah. or is the pathology on the, uh, the right side, uh, which is the pulmonary yeah. side? So if you look at the right-sided pathologies, where the duct are, where, the, where there's duct-dependent lesion, the best way to go through it is to think of the tricuspid valve, right ventricle, and the pulmonary artery. Okay. So you can have severe tricuspid stenosis. Yeah. You can have a tricuspid atresia you could have. You could have severe Epstein's anomaly. You could have severe tricuspid regurgitation. You then, right vent- you can have hyperplastic left, uh, right heart, it is a condition where the right ventricle is underdeveloped, exactly like the hypoplastic left heart. Um, you can then have critical pulmonary stenosis. You could have pulmonary atresia with with VSD or without VSD. They're two separate conditions. So pulmonary atresia with VSD, generally the right right ventricle is a better size ventricle. Generally, pulmonary atresia without VSD, the right ventricle is very small. Yeah. Um, and you can have severe TOF. So this yeah. is the, these are the right-sided lesions, which are duct-dependent. Um, and they invariably will present with cyanosis. They usually present quite early on. And now, when we start to say duct-dependent, this is, you know, that the, they're reliant on the duct. The duct for the and as s- soon as that starts to so close, they're they in become, trouble. Yeah, they'll become symptomatic. Uh, they often, places where they are using saturation monitoring uh, to do their NIP exams, yeah. uh, examination, they should be able to pick these up. Uh, because these are they, these babies will be fairly blue. Okay. Um, you can then have pathology on the systemic side. Now these very often become symptomatic when the duct actually closes okay. or is in the process of closing. Um, so they are uh, things like uh, again, if you look at uh, mitral valve, generally doesn't get with that involved. If you look at the look at it from the mitral valve, left ventricle, and the right left ventricle outflow tract, yep. uh, it it makes it easier to remember. So you can have hyperplastic left heart. Yeah. You can have uh, uh, critical aortic stenosis, coarctation, and interrupted aortic arch. They're the left-sided lesions. That would be duct-dependent. Um, there are also mixed lesions, things like uh, TGA, transposition of great arteries. These are um, uh, uh, these do rely on the duct for the circulation to be uh, adequate. Uh, total anomalous pulmonary venous connection is another one where you would where they are actually quite blue and they usually present almost immediately after birth because of the cyanosis um, uh, that they have. But occasionally they can get missed if uh, if there's a very big ASD okay. uh, present. Um, so, so these are the kind of uh, lesions that will present with collapse. Uh, so once you've, um, you know, once you have this kind of an approach, uh, when you see a collapse, a child who's critically ill, uh, you can then approach them mm. uh, looking at 
how they are currently. So when you examine them. So yeah. if you have examined the child and you find that there is cyanosis or there is no cyanosis. Yeah. So when you look at cyanosis, the first thing what I generally tend to do is I look at a baby and I think, okay, he's blue. I then look at the femorals. Is the femorals present or not present? If the femorals are, are present, you then think of the murmur. Is there a murmur or not there? So if there is a murmur plus femorals in a blue baby, the chances are this could be tetralogy of fallows. It could be trichospital atresia. You can have interrupted aortic arch and you can have critical palmistenosis okay. in these ba babies. If the femorals are um, present, but there is no heart murmur, and the child is still blue, yeah. the chances are that this is, could this be a TGA, transposition of great arteries, persistent pulmonary hypertension, which is not a cardiac cause, but it is a cause yeah, of yeah, uh, yeah. severe illness, or total anomalous pulmonary venous connection. In them, you will see the murmur. You will not hear a murmur, but they will have femorals and they will be blue. Okay. Right, then we can then move on to a baby who's pink. Yeah. If the baby is pink, go in if you feel for the femorals. Um, and if the femorals are absent, makes it quite uh, uh, yeah, easy. You think it's coarctation, yeah, hyperplastic yeah. left heart, or critical aortic stenosis. Um, now, if the femorals are uh, not uh, are present, and the child is pink, yep. the child looks unwell, yep. you would then think of, is this critical uh, aortic stenosis is there uh, which where there is still forward flow but not not very good is this critical pulmonary stenosis is this a VSD or is this an ASD these babies the ones where the femorals are present and they are pink they're usually not acute collapse they're more sick and yeah. they will usually have signs of uh, heart failure okay. um, or you know uh, or of being unwell uh, symptomatic unwell provided it is quite a large VSD or a quite very tight aortic stenosis, uh, but not tight enough okay. to stop the total circulation. So the three key things for us to think about in the examination are blue or not blue, hmm. murmur, no murmur, femorals, no femorals. And that sort of takes you down the different routes of those things. If I've got a cyanosed child, so hmm. a child who comes in, with sort of sats of 75, 80, the immediate reaction is, oh, I'll give this a child oxygen. Hmm. Is that the right thing to do? I guess it's a yeah. bit of a test, isn't it? Because if the sats yeah. don't come up, then you're probably thinking of, oh, this is obviously a congenital cyanotic heart disease, as opposed to a respiratory thing, all those sorts of things. Yeah. But of course, there are dangers with giving oxygen to these babies. So, so you're right, sir. There are dangers about giving uh, oxygen to these childs. But till the time you, you know, you sometimes, even before you get involved, if somebody finds a child who's blue, who mm. automatically our first ABC is is the airway patent breathing there, and then uh, you give oxygen. Um, I mean, it, more than if if the saturation is less than seventy five percent, even in cardiac babies, we will sometimes say you can give oxygen. But just be careful about how mm. much oxygen you're giving. Um, till the time you've made a diagnosis that this is definitely a cardiac child, uh, give oxygen with with caution. Okay. Uh, so you can give oxygen, but then have a look at what is happening. Is the saturation improving? Is the ch child getting better or getting worse? Um, 
the the problem with oxygen is uh, two there are two things with it. One is that the, it can close the duct. Yeah, so you can actually make the problem make them worse. worse. Yeah. So if your saturations are not improving with oxygen, you know it's not going to help, uh, uh, and you're then thinking down the the side of uh, this is cardiac. Yeah. Um, but the other problem with with giving oxygen is that there are there is a balanced circulation. So things like truncus arteriosus. Now these babies are very often have, or even even total anomalous pulmonary venous connection. These are very they are very balanced circulation. If you decrease, if you give the baby oxygen, it will decrease the pulmonary pressure. Mm. If the pulmonary pressure drops, the pulmonary over circulation uh, gets worse. Yeah. Uh, in in which case there's less blood going to the body, but more blood going into the lung. Okay. Uh, and so we, what we do is we we we, uh, we we destabilize a child who had compensation going on because he had increased the pulmonary pressure because of hypoxia. Uh, so 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 that that's another thing that we tend to worry about. Uh, your lactate will go up. The child will look paler and will look quite uh, ill yeah. instead of looking blue. He'll then suddenly look very pale and you think what happened here. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, there's no harm giving oxygen in the beginning, but then just be very cautious about giving oxygen and look at stopping it as soon as you realize this is uh, you know, this is not pulmonary. It's not improving the saturation. Okay. So not unreasonable to try it. If it's not helping, maybe be very, very careful whilst I'm waiting for you to arrive to come and do the echo. Whilst I'm waiting for you to arrive to come and do the echo and get me out of trouble. Other investigations that I can get on and do are chest x-ray. Yeah, you would do chest x-ray. You would do a blood gas. Yeah. It's easier to get a blood gas uh, uh, done. Um, and what are we looking for on that blood gas? What's gonna? Do, are you looking yeah. at the lactate? Are you looking at the PO2? So there are several things. So we do look at uh, pH, uh, but more than pH, we are looking at uh, what uh, this pCO2. It gives you an idea, is this pulmonary or is this cardiac? Yeah. If your CO2 is normal or low, you kind of start thinking this is more of a cardiac. You look at PaO2. We can even do a pre-ductal and post-ductal arterial gases, um, uh, but uh, but that's it's tricky in a baby mm. who comes to A&E, easier in a neonatal unit where you have an umbilical line. Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, and look at the difference in that, and that again tells you that this is likely to be cardiac. You can do a chest x-ray. Um, and uh, hyperoxia test is another thing that we usually that people talk about, mm. but again, it has to be done with caution because okay. if it is a balanced circulation, you'll make the child worse. Uh, and usually, what they recommend is that you know discuss with the cardiologist. Full limb blood pressure is something that we used to talk about, but it is very common. It um, it's not that reliable okay. with our uh, with our current uh, blood pressure machines. So when you're doing a full limb blood pressure, what we are looking for is the upper limb blood pressure should be twenty millimeters of mercury higher than the lower. Yeah. So the cutoff is 20, but very often in normal babies, you will find that difference. So it's not completely reliable as a single entity. Okay. But obviously, if, if, you, if you combine it with pre-ductal and post-ductal saturations and you're looking at um, uh, x-rays and, um, um, and and then echocardiogram, it then has a value, yeah. uh, has a role to play there. Okay, so fall in blood pressures, pre- and post-ductal sats if possible, chest x-ray, an ECG, and a gas, and wait for you to arrive right. to say, ah, yeah. it's this. It's and um, is there any in this blue baby that, mm-hmm. that seems ill? 
we often think, oh, should we start prostaglandin whilst I'm waiting for the echo? So that's really important. So prostaglandin, if you start on low dose, will not cause any harm. Okay. So, um, so, so yes, starting, you know, 5 nanograms or up to even 10 nanograms is not going to cause any harm. If you're going into higher doses, then you're a bit more worried about um, the apneas needing to intubate. Yeah. Um, but then sometimes a sick child may, may actually need that intubation um, uh, anyways. So um, I think there is a role for a, a prostaglandin started, even though, you know, you don't have an echocardiogram. Okay. Um, uh, and it plays, it, I can't see any other side effects other than apneas, which would may need um, ventilation from prostaglandin. So okay. you wouldn't do any harm if the child had pulmonary cause and yeah. there was no cardiac cause by giving prostaglandin, other than the fact that you may have had to intubate yeah. the child. But at least you are safe that you have kept the circulation going had this been a cardiac yeah. patient. So it might be something that saves this child's life. Life. Uh, okay. So I think the key thing for us in ED is to make sure, can we as doctors prescribe it? Do we know where our guideline is and do our nursing staff know where we keep the prostaglandin and can set it up and run it yeah. and that's something that we we sort of frequently run as a sim is do you know where the prostin is and that's it's really important very important lovely yeah. so i think the take home bits from me from all that and i'm still trying to get my head around all the anatomy so yeah. i always have is keeping an open mind could this be cardiac could this unwell baby be cardiac yeah. and then thinking in my exam blue not blue murmur not murmur yeah. Femorals, not femorals. We've talked about the investigations. We've talked about oxygen with care and knowing where your prostaglandin is. And that seems a pretty good start to me. Lovely. Thank you so much for your time, Gitika. Thank you. Take care.